Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Miserable day in Washington. It's going to be a miserable day for a lot of people on the right when the Electoral College meets in 50 states in the District of Columbia around the country today. Uh, That is when uh, Joe Biden will be uh, chosen by the electors as the 46th president of the United States. Uh, I'm guessing the debate will go on, but the Electoral College uh, does, in fact, meet today. Jim, I don't know if there are caps and gowns uh, involved with all this, but uh, 51 different votes taking place today, and we know how it's going to turn out. In fact, the numbers are going to be almost exactly as they were four years ago, just in the opposite direction. Yeah, I mean, one, you know, to the extent there's any drama today, and there's not much, one question is whether there will be any rogue electors who are these people who decide, well, I swore an oath to vote for the person, and I've in fact, may have said so in writing that I would vote for the person, but I'm a giant narcissist, and I'd like to let the whole <laughs> wide world know that I believe that we should vote for somebody else. And you know, last year I think it was you know Colin Powell got a couple of votes. Two Trump electors, one voted for I think it was John Kasich, and I think the other was Ron Paul. I'm I believe sure. that's but anyway, right. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the bottom line, we may get a few strays here and there. Uh, the Supreme Court upheld that uh, states can punish electors when they go rogue. And I don't know about you, uh, Greg, I'm, I'm fully supportive of the rack uh, <laughs> as punishment for those who go rogue. I think this is nonsense. You swear that you're going to support somebody in the electoral. Co- like some year we could have another Bush versus Gore where it comes down to just a handful and you get three or four rogues. And all of a sudden we have a serious constitutional crisis because somebody who won 270 electoral votes on Election Day doesn't get 270 electoral votes from the Electoral College. Thankfully, Biden's a 306. It's very unlikely that 36 will all go rogue. And, you know, that we'll avoid that drama this cycle, but we'll see how things shake out. No, there's been plenty of drama uh, leading up to this, but I haven't seen any uh, celebrity tape like four years ago with Martin Sheen and everybody <laughs> begging Republican electors or states uh, won by Trump, those electors, uh, to vote for Hillary or for somebody else. And uh, so that was fun. And back in 2000, everybody was begging uh, Bush electors to not vote for Bush. And the only faithless elector was actually from D.C. because it's still not a state. So... Good times, everybody. Uh, Hey, that's not actually our martinis, though. Uh, We are brought to you today by Gabby. Our good martini today is the fact that the the vaccine is on its way. Uh, It's going to take a while, obviously, to get to everyone and in all the different uh, parts around the world. But uh, you probably saw footage yesterday of the semis leaving the Pfizer plant in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Shout out for the home state, uh, shipping it off to obviously first responders. I think the first vaccines uh, have already been uh, administered. I I think I heard that uh, Governor Cuomo was on a conference call and was asking people how it felt to have the shot given and asking the nurse how it felt to give the shot. You know, real hard-hitting stuff. But anyway, uh, it's on the way. Frontline medical personnel. It felt like I was getting shot. I mean, it's not intricate surgery here. It's... uh, (laughs) It's a hypodermic needle. Uh, So, Jim, but the good news is, is that uh, this is actually happening. You know, Pence and Trump took a lot of heat for saying that uh, there was a good chance the vaccine would be ready by the end of the year. By last check, we're still in 2020. I think we'd know if we weren't. And the vaccine's on its way. Well done. It is. I was about to say it's a long time coming, but it it really isn't that long a time coming, considering the pace of most developments of vaccines. Um, There were some people when Trump said that we could have it in a year. Uh, back in the early days or early weeks and months of this uh, pandemic. Um, a couple people said, oh, you know, it would take a miracle. Well, you know, lo and behold, you, you ask for a miracle, <laughs> I give you America's entrepreneurial uh, and pharmaceutical companies, you know, and medical researchers all around the world. 
kudos guys um yeah I, I was a little unnerved when i watched the when i saw the video yesterday when you saw it looked like helicopter trucks or helicopters following the trucks as they went onto the highway i, I don't know about you greg i was just getting flashbacks to oj <laughs> um just the idea that at some point one of the trucks would make a wrong turn and we'd have some you know grand drama no they're already getting administered they're getting administered in new york i believe the first person was a nurse and good for that i do and I believe it was you know, either HHS secretary or some other official said that it's, you know, he was predicting that everybody in nursing homes would be done by Christmas. Wow. That'd be a really tight deadline. That's 11 days away. But let's observe. Let's say they don't make it by Christmas. Let's say they make it by New Year's, right? It's December 14th, folks. First of all, do your Christmas shopping. Do your Hanukkah <laughs> shopping. You're running out of time. Hunting for horsemen. Uh, but also, <laughs> like, if we could get everybody, you know, in, in the most vulnerable populations in these uh, nursing homes, home uh, assisted living facilities and stuff like that. Now, look, if we can do it in a month, that would be a huge step in the right direction. So uh, hopefully we're getting there. It's great to see. It's a testament to American innovation and uh, know-how. And, uh, you know, we, we can grumble about the process of approval. But again, we didn't want anybody... Um, we don't want anybody approving these drugs willy-nilly. We want to make sure of this. And it looks like the other vaccines are not too far behind. We could be pretty close to getting uh, uh, the whole world to a much safer point pretty soon. So uh, just great to see. And, you know, what, what a refreshing, you know, maybe a good omen for what's to come in 2021. Well, yeah, we certainly hope so. And I guess, you know, credit all the way around. I don't know that Operation Warp Speed deserves all the credit, but uh, there's a lot of people who don't want to give it any credit. So I think when you combine the the funding mm -hmm. from Operation Warp Speed, uh, they seem to have a good vaccine distribution plan in place. Uh, when the announcement that Pfizer had done its clinical testing came out uh, about a week or so after the election, you had Cuomo and a lot of other people talking about how it's just going to be a total disaster if, the, if, if this administration gets to decide what the distribution plan looks like. I don't hear those complaints now. I think uh, people seem to be pretty excited about it. So, I mean, this was a, a good partnership here between uh, the federal government and the various agencies. And uh, the, the private sector with all these different pharmaceuticals rolling up their sleeves, uh, putting this as the only thing on the front burner and getting it done in record time. Yeah. And at this point, listeners, if you're saying, boy, Jim and Greg, you know, they've, they've been kicking around Cuomo a lot lately, but that's less than I expected. So keep listening. More to come. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. All right. Well, you know, Jim mentioned that uh, Christmas is almost here. We got 11 days left and uh, that's going to cost you some money. And you're thinking, man, where am I going to save some money? I got an idea. How about on your car insurance or your homeowner's insurance? And that's where Gabby can come in. Look, uh, you got a lot of things on your plate, work, shopping, kids, online school, all sorts of different things. The last thing you want to do is spend hours going from site to site to figure out if you can save money on your insurance. But the good news is you only have to go to one. Gabby does all the work for you in just a few minutes. And customers through Gabby save, get this, $961 per year on average. Gabby takes the pain out of shopping for insurance by giving you an apples to apples comparison of your current coverage with 40 of the top insurance providers. We're talking about companies like Progressive and Nationwide and Travelers. You just link your current insurance account, and in just minutes, you'll be able to see quotes for the exact same coverage that you currently have. Now, like Greg mentioned, Gabby customers save $961 per year on average. I bet that'd be nice to have in your pocket every year. 
And if they can't find you savings, they'll let you know so that you can relax knowing that you have the absolute best rate that is out there. And they will never sell your information. So you'll never have to deal with annoying spam or robocalls. And as we've said before, the process could not be easier. There's about 10 quick prompts. You fill in information like your address, your age. Uh, eventually, you link to your current insurance policy so they know exactly what you already have covered. Compare it to what others can offer you for the same coverage. And you look at those rates and you see how much you can save. And the good news is if you already have a good plan, you have that peace of mind as well. The bottom line, though, is you're probably overpaying on car and home insurance, especially if you've just kind of set it and forget it over time. See how much Gabby can save you. It's totally free to check. There's no obligation. Go to Gabby.com slash martini. That's G-A-B-I dot com slash martini. Gabby.com slash martini. And Jim, $961. That'll probably cover your Christmas gifts, unless you're one of those couples like you see on those Christmas ads where, hey, ah, surprise, we got uh, matching pickup trucks. With a giant red bow. <laughs> and it, it's not even the truck that's expensive. It's the giant red bow that really, really socks you. We, we've seen those commercials at home. Mrs. Caromas is like, why do they even do this? <laughs> Think about how mad you would be if your spouse just dropped like 40 grand without ever mentioning it to you. Uh, <laughs> All right. Let's talk about our bad martini now. And uh, Jim, let's talk about April Ryan. April Ryan is clearly a Democratic homer. She's a CNN analyst and uh, works for American Urban Radio Networks. Uh, when there are White House briefings, you see her there usually asking questions that are not exactly objective. But April Ryan is upset, Jim. April Ryan is very upset because somebody leaked audio of Joe Biden talking to uh, black leaders recently. And that's where we got the story a few days back that he was uh, furious about the defund the police slogan that was going on during the middle of his presidential campaign. And he said uh, basically that Republicans use that slogan to, quote, beat the living hell out of us in down ballot races. And so April Ryan, not happy at all that that got out. She tweeted out, I asked an incoming White House source, was the meeting contentious with civil rights leaders and Joe Biden? And the answer was no. A rights leader at the meeting says Joe Biden was passionate, Ryan tweeted. The question now is who taped this meeting and why? What's the agenda? And so lots of people are rolling their eyes on Twitter. Uh, and you actually have an emoji kind of for rolling your eyes on Twitter. Uh, another uh, one reporter over at Vice tried to troll April Ryan. And it got even funnier because April Ryan didn't realize she was being trolled. He says, yeah, it's irresponsible and sets a dangerous precedent for journalists covering the incoming administration to be able to use secretly recorded conversations in their stories to parse out Biden's thoughts and anticipate his policy commitments. You must go through proper channels. The White House press secretary, the spokespeople for the president and vice president, senior officials and the president's public statements are all designated and responsible sources for information about the president's thoughts and intentions. And he finishes by saying, revealing a contradiction between Biden's private thoughts and public statements is dangerous because it erodes public trust in the president, the office and the media itself. And April Ryan doesn't get the joke and says, you hit the nail on the head. This is not good at all. She then liked all the tweets in the thread. And so, Jim, uh, kudos also to Karen Townsend over at Hot Air, who found that uh, April Ryan tweeted this earlier this year in August. So who's eagerly awaiting to hear those audio tapes of Melania Trump talking bad about the president, Ivanka, and the rest of his adult children? I'm ready. So, you know, consistency, Jim. All about consistency. Well, hold on, Greg. There's a very key difference here. And the difference is, is that um, Melania is a Republican <laughs> and Joe Biden is a Democrat. So that, that makes the moral context of it completely different. 
Greg, I'm going to say that April Ryan is 100% wrong. She's not 47% wrong. <laughs> For those who recall the infamous 47% statement that uh, Romney made at a allegedly closed door, allegedly closed to the press fundraiser um, at, during the, the 2012 campaign. Uh, you know, one of the lessons you should learn if you are a lawmaker if you're in elected office or if you're a candidate for high office is that nothing is ever really off the record. You, you know, you can argue it should be and, and reporters should honor this, but you don't know anybody within earshot has not, unless you're like, it's just you and one other person in a soundproof room and you know, nobody else is going to overhear it. Uh, you're not going to, you have no guarantee of privacy. You have no guarantee of these comments not being repeated and later reported at least once a year, some big mucky muck gets on the Acela and gets on their phone and talks loudly, hopefully not in the quiet car, and somebody who with a, you know, with either a Twitter account or a press credential hears it and writes about what they can hear from one side of the conversation and the high mucky muck is so outraged that this sort of thing happened. Look, I, I suppose April Ryan's philosophy is that you're not supposed to do this sort of thing. You're not supposed to get this from somebody else who's on a conference call with the president. What you're supposed to do is wait for somebody in the national security community to leak the transcript of the conversation <laughs> between the president and the Russian ambassador uh, that is kept in the official archives of the national, I assume the National Security Agency or White House or something like that has happened very early in the uh, administration. Now, if there's any, I'm a reporter, I love leaks. I love information. I think the public should be well informed. The only leaks I would not lay out would be anything that would put anybody's life in danger, put anybody, you know, risk anyone's life and limb. But boy, you know, conversation between the president and foreign officials in the Oval Office, when it's being officially recorded for our government's purposes, not for the public's purposes, that's getting into a real gray area. Because even, you know, even if you hate the president, even if you can't stand the president, I think he's entitled to have conversations with foreign leaders and not have the whole wide world listening in. By the way, the, the whole wide world, you know, at least the whole wide world's government and or intelligence agencies are listening in. I'm sure that the uh, KGB or FSB or somebody else was listening in on the Russian side whenever they talk by phone. But um, I, I remember in that case, that got into a kind of a gray area because it wasn't, I mean, in the end, it was a leak classified information. So, that, you know, the reporter's job can report whatever they want, but whoever was leaking that was leaking, you know, uh, among the crown jewels or at the very minimum, something that shouldn't be you know, leaked without uh, a really serious, compelling public interest in this. But in the case of April Ryan, what I said at the beginning of this, you know, that this is a good you know, leaks of Republican stuff is good. Like in the end, like the, the comment of Melania where she said to her friend she was fed up with the White House Christmas decorations or something. Like that. I'm like, I, I just don't care that much. <laughs> I, I, if you're the kind of person who who is a Melania obsessive and needs to know her thoughts and everything, fine, you can go ahead. But in the end, I think we could agree this isn't a huge deal. Whereas, you know, Joe Biden having a, you know, a fight with some of his supporters and emphasizing that uh, uh, defund the police was a huge factor in the, you know, races they didn't win. And uh, look, that is news. That is that is significant. I don't think anybody on that list, on that conference call, between them and their conscience about whether they want to leak it. Now, if the Biden administration figures out who it is, you can bet they're probably not going to be invited to any more conference calls and they may find themselves frozen out. And that's that's the way Washington works. But April Ryan really seems to think the job of the media is to not not make Joe Biden look bad. And I think, you know, that's anti-journalism. That is anti-informing the public. At that point, hang it up and go work at the DNC, which I, I strongly suspect, Greg, she'd be much happier there. <laughs> I think she might be. But I don't think she's alone for the next four years. Do you? No, no. The, the thing is not that she th says this way. The shocking revelation is that she said it out loud. And can't figure out the joke. That's always fun, too. We are living in difficult times where people fear having thought-provoking conversations about pressing issues. 
And although we're in the midst of an information explosion, there are a lot of forces aiming to distort what's true. I created The Bill Walton Show to provide a forum for in-depth, thought-provoking conversations with leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. Please join me at thebillwaltonshow.com to explore what's true, what's right, and what's next. All right, let's move on to our crazy martini now, Jim. And uh, Andrew Cuomo has spent some time here. He spent a lot of time in the bad martini. Just last week, we talked about a woman named uh, Lindsay Boylan, who used to work for uh, Governor Cuomo, and she said it's the most toxic work environment she's ever been in. Uh, she, it was uh, far more demeaning than even when she was a waitress as a teenager. So that's uh, not good. Now she is out with even more tweets uh, criticizing uh, Cuomo. She started off with this long discussion of workplace sexual harassment about that her mother went through and then that she went through. And it wasn't until the fourth tweet that she says, yes, Governor Cuomo sexually harassed me for years. Many saw it and watched. I could never anticipate what to expect. Would I be grilled on my work, which was very good, or harassed about my looks? Or would it be both in the same conversation? This was the way for years. Not knowing what to expect was the most upsetting part, aside from knowing that no one would do a damn thing even when they saw it. No one. And I know I'm not the only woman. She says, I'm angry to be put in this situation at all, that because I'm a woman, I can work hard my whole life to better myself and help others and yet still fall victim as countless women over generations have, mostly silently. I hate that some men like Governor Cuomo abuse their power. So, um, Jim, she says she's not doing further media interviews. She doesn't want to talk to journalists. She wants to, quote, validate the experience of countless women and make sure that abuse stops. It's clear from Lindsay Boylan that she is not a righty. She is not doing this uh, because she's trying to uh, uh, hurt Democrats in any way. She is a flat-out lib, and she hates Governor Cuomo. And so the, the, the pushback is now go, coming on very strong. Uh, the press secretary for Governor Cuomo says there is simply no truth to the claims. USA Today is quick to point out that Boylan has not provided any corroborating information or detailed allegations against the governor, because uh, apparently that is required for allegations against Democrats, Jim, maybe not so much for uh, Republicans. And then USA Today did also find other people uh, to complain about Boylan. It says several women complained to the Empire State Development's Human Resources Department that, quote, Ms. Boyland had behaved in a way towards them that was harassing, belittling, and had yelled and been generally unprofessional, wrote the administration's ethics officer, Julia Pinover-Kupak, in one memo. So, Jim, given Governor Cuomo's reaction to the reporter who asked if school was going to be open the next day, I don't have a problem imagining him yelling at people and belittling them. This is also a governor who has openly talked in public about his nipple rings and uh, gotten in on the love gov joke. So none of this would shock me. Uh, you do need uh, corroboration for this, uh, preferably, but uh, a, a, you know, a consistent standard would also be good here. Uh, for me, the most important aspect is the timing of this, because Cuomo is allegedly up uh, under consideration to be attorney general, which would be a horrific, horrific decision by Joe Biden. And regardless of what ends up happening with this story, if it gives Joe Biden second, third or fourth thoughts about picking Andrew Cuomo for such an important job, I think it'll be worth it. Yeah, I was going to say, Greg, I don't know how you look at the performance of Andrew Cuomo over the past year and say, I want to give that guy more responsibility. I want to give that guy more power. I want to give that guy arguably 
it's not the most important job in the entire federal government. Then a really key and you know and and, and power, crux one, because the attorney general is the only person who like reports to the president and who also has the uh, authority to investigate the president. Right? You, you traditionally want somebody purer than driven snow in that job. It is very tough to find that in Washington. I'm not sure there are a lot of great options. There's very few people in the Biden's going to pick that I'm going to love. But at this point, if your name is not Andrew Cuomo, I think you're more qualified than Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> um, and here's the thing. Look, I don't know whether this allegation against Governor Cuomo is accurate, is, is true or not. I don't think any of us know unless you were there and unless you saw it or you, you know, you, or maybe, you know, maybe you, you didn't see the behavior that she's describing. I will note, though, as you as you uh, alluded to, Greg, watching Andrew Cuomo scream at reporters the idea that Andrew Cuomo doesn't has less than perfect impulse control does not strike me as a extraordinarily far fetched scenario, um, and we've seen this. You know, look, look. Also, this this is an office that once was occupied by Elliot Spitzer. Uh, <laughs> they had the serious issue with the Attorney General. I believe Weiner was uh, was a congressman from New York. But the idea of a powerful democratic politician in new york state having a sense of entitlement and treating women as objects just doesn't you know I, i'm not saying this isn't ufo landings right this is not a bigfoot sighting this is you know it's pretty darn easy to believe um now again if you want evidence for this accusation fine and in a lot of these situations you're going to get he said she said that there isn't going to be any tape recordings or video recordings or any kind of incontrovertible proof it's going to be an accuser and the accused and everybody else simply has to, you know, judge it based on the accounts and, and draw their conclusions. It's very transparent that a lot of folks in the media treat accusations against figures that they like, i.e. Democrats like Andrew Cuomo, very differently than they treat accusations against Republicans they don't like, i.e. Brett Kavanaugh. Um, I have you know, this this person who worked for uh, Cuomo for quite some time strikes me as a much more credible accuser than, say, Julie Swetnick one of the accusers against uh, Kavanaugh who was making the stories of, you know, these massive orgy rape parties in Georgetown and all that kind of crazy stuff. So, look, I, I would like to see this woman get um, treated fairly. I think it is fair to say, do you have any evidence of this? Do you have any corroborating witnesses and things like that? Um, I think it is also safe to observe that anyone who is still currently working for Andrew Cuomo would be in an awkward spot. Did you witness your boss, you know, do something inappropriate? Maybe they did, maybe they didn't. But if they say yes, it's very likely there's going to be blowback uh, at the workplace. And, and you know, you're, uh, a lot of people in politics see their job as serving the, um, serving the master, so to speak, serving the, serving the boss, whatever he does. His interests have to come first. I have no idea whether this, again, this, whether these accusations are true. But I think it's very clear there was an accusation against a Republican. The headline would be so-and-so accused of sexual harassment. It would not be without verification, former aide makes claim, blah, 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 blah. It's, it's a very intriguing how the, the wording worked out on that one, Greg. Yeah, you think uh, in the new Biden administration, you're going to see a lot of CNN chirons at the bottom with uh, Biden says without evidence, dot, dot, dot. Uh, right. I mean, like 90 some. OK, oh, I wouldn't say 90 some percent. A large chunk of what politicians say every day is without evidence. Well, that's probably right. Here's my here's my other theory here, Jim, completely unrelated to the accusations. I think Kamala Harris is pushing for Andrew Cuomo as attorney general. It's kind of like um, having Hillary as secretary of state for Obama. If assuming Biden only goes one term, she sees herself as the ascendant one in 2024. And if everybody else is, you know, tucked behind her in the pecking order in the administration, it makes it harder for them to try to jump out and challenge her as opposed to a sitting governor. Just a theory. I was going to say, Greg, is that keep your enemies close or 
keep your friends close and your enemies closer? <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I think so. And, you know, after Kamala's performance on her own in the 2020 presidential race, she needs all the people kicked out of the way, as, po- as, as many of those kicked out of the way as possible if she wants to have a, a decent shot at winning. So that's my, why I'm thinking that's her strategy. So anyway, uh, no shortage of insanity as we start the week here, Jim. See you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus, Radio America. Thanks for being with us today. Don't forget about Gabby, gabby.com slash martini. Please subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast. We are extremely grateful for your kind reviews and your five-star ratings. Also remember to get us on those home devices. Just say, play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Have a fantastic day, and please join us Tuesday for the next Three Martini Lunch.